This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Mindsetters, do we ever have a phenomenal episode for you today? I am proud to announce that we just finished up a phenomenal interview with Chris Voss, author of Never Split the Difference, a phenomenal book on negotiation, one of the top negotiating coaches and trainers in the whole country, in the world, and somebody who I've looked up to. I am so grateful for the chance to dive into some real amazing negotiation strategies with Chris. And what we're going to get into here is we're going to talk about how important negotiation is and how you're, you're in negotiations nearly every single day of your life. You're negotiating getting on the highway. You're negotiating um, when you're in Starbucks. You're negotiating with your wife, your husband, your spouse, your partner, your team members, and you're negotiating when you're doing the things that you think about negotiation, such as going out, buying a car, buying a house, or building a real estate portfolio. But what I love about this episode is that Chris gets into some stuff he hasn't talked about elsewhere. He hasn't talked about over and over again. And these are some strategies that are going to make a big difference for you. So I encourage you to make sure you get your notebook out, take some notes. And if you don't have one, listen to it one time through and go back and get ready to start implementing some of this in your life. So as always, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, I encourage you to hit it so you make sure you get this episode and every other episode that comes out. And if you're the kind of person who likes to help other people, please consider sharing this with somebody that you might think would get some value from it. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very excited and grateful today. I have Chris Voss on the podcast. How are you doing, Chris? Fantastic. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you. And as many of you guys know, as a master negotiator, Chris Voss retired after 24 years with the FBI as the lead international kidnap negotiator. And Chris has written a fantastic book called Never Split the Difference, which is in my opinion, one of the best negotiation books I've ever read. And he's the CEO of the Black Swan Group, uh, a company that specializes in solving business communication problems using some of these same hostage negotiation strategies. And he's here with us today to help us learn more. In my opinion, one of the most transferable skills as we get into the mindset and strategy of negotiation. You ready to dive into things, Chris? Yeah, let's, let's dive in, see if we can swim. I love it. I love it. So obviously you've done some amazing things. You've saved some people's lives, literally. But why don't we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Yeah. uh, Wow. Um, You know, I think uh, I grew up in a blue collar household. So it was just problem solving, Work, work hard, figure stuff out, try to get ahead of problems if you can. And I think uh, and do it collaboratively, you know, and all those things are what uh, any any negotiation is about. It even even where people are diametrically opposed, there's got to be some collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, growing up in a blue collar household, you went in, you became a, an officer, then in the FBI, and now you're teaching business people. How do you think coming from that blue collar background has played into what you're doing today and how you're helping people grow? 
Yeah, you know, I, well, it's um, I like helping people, period, first of all, you know, and I like doing it collaboratively. And it, what, wherever you are, whether you're a small town Iowa, you know, my father was uh, had owned his own business, fuel oil business, and it was very much about, you know, uh, home heating oil, keeping keeping people warm in the wintertime, uh, being there for them when they needed you. So I, I I just grew up in that environment where you, you know, let's work together, let's get something done. Yeah, I think it's so easy for us to look at somebody like you who, you know, a lot of people look up to think you as one of the best negotiators out there, especially best negotiation trainers. And we can forget that we all come from from different places. And it's it's really cool to see how you've grown out of the Midwest out to New York and obviously, you know, doing what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your clients today. Obviously, you've been hostage negotiator, but now you're, from my understanding, helping other people learn how to apply these skills. Yeah, you know, it's all business and personal negotiations these days. I mean, people, I, you know, I was talking to a couple of people the other day and they said, you know, the next book should be Never Split the Difference for Raising Kids, you know. So it's just about great human communication. So whether it's a personal relationship whether you're parent-child, whether it's a business relationship. I mean, uh, we train and coach. We do a lot of training. We, you know, go after individuals more as opposed to companies or sectors. You know, we like high-performance individuals, people who want to get better at communication. And, uh, and we coach a lot. I didn't think we would coach. It wasn't even part of my idea of the business at first. I, I just thought we'd train. But we coach people in all kinds of deals. So we're helping people get better. The hostage negotiation skills really, you know, uh, I, I know in the intro we gave you, it said uh, we solve problems, but what we really do is we accelerate outcomes. Um, you, you might not even think you have a problem, but we can still accelerate the deal. We can help you get there faster. And that's a really cool thing because the commodity that we have that everybody has of most value is time. So if we can accelerate things, we're going to save you a lot of time. It's, it's such a big idea. And I know personally, after I read the book for the first time, and I've read it countless 10, 15 times at least, a lot of audiobook listens, but it was making big impacts in my personal life. I was communicating better with my partner, my wow. business partner, my, my spouse. And it's amazing how these strategies really apply to all parts of life. And so what I'm curious is, from your experience, what are some of the myths? What are some of the things that people get wrong about negotiation? And why do you think they believe that? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that people get wrong is they figure they have to go first. They have to state their position first. Um, you know, and that's, that's really insecurity. And, and it is a cliche that when you're talking, you're not learning. And so if you're stating your position, you're not gathering any information at that point in time. And if you're stating it, you're probably not actually having a good impact on the other side. You know, stating feels like, you know, uh, blunt force pushing. And that, that doesn't help, even in, in a negotiation that seems to be contentious. So letting the other side talk first makes you smarter because you're going to get information. It makes them feel better. It also makes them more likely to make a deal with you because a lot of people just want to be heard out. So, so the, you know, the real counterintuitive thing is don't go first. Let the other side talk first. Gather some information. Get smarter. Gather information first. Well, a lot of people, what I've noticed, especially when I'm talking to other people 
who have been soaking in negotiation training. Everyone's thinking the same thing. So how do you break through that when, when they're like, I'm not going to give my number first, I'm not going to share first. How do you go through that process of getting the other person to, to start making this more of a collaboration than such a opposition? Yeah, well, you can, you can tease it out a little bit. Um, you, you, could all, you could also pivot away from price and figure some other stuff out. You, know, you could say, all right, let, look, let's, just, let's set price off to the side for a minute. Let's talk about what would make this deal great. What would make this a great deal for you? You know, if they start outlining other terms that would make it great for them, they're starting to create a vision in their head. They're vested in the process. Now they're more likely to come back with a favorable price. They may also throw a condition out that you wanted to ask for in the first place. And the, the more you can get without asking, the better off you are, which is another reason why you want to get the other side talking. You know, they throw something out that you wanted anyway. You look at them and you're like, wow, great idea. <laughs> and then they're going to be really happy about it when, in fact, you wanted it all along. So that's another reason to let the other side go first. I love that. Well, there's so many good reasons to learn these skills. And I want to talk because I think this will be an exciting story for people to soak in, especially if they haven't gone through in the depths of studying your material here. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about what happened during the Chase Manhattan bank robbery. Uh, I know you just released a masterclass and we actually have the recordings of that negotiation from back in the day available in that class, which I encourage people to go to. We'll include a link in the show notes. But talk to me a little bit about what happened during that and how you ended up breaking through to getting those hostages released safely. Yeah, the, doing the masterclass was really cool and it was fun that they wanted to put the Chase Bank in it. Um, you know, it was an adversarial negotiation. You know, we wanted, we wanted everybody out. They, they, they didn't want to give anybody up. They wanted to get away. Um, had a, a really guarded negotiator that is the classic example of the great CEO comes to the table really great CEO, if the decision maker comes to the table and the decision maker has any sense, they're going to act powerless because they know they're the decision maker and they don't want to get cornered at the table. So they're going to say stuff like, you know, I got all these people I'm accountable to, you know, I got, I got a board of directors, whatever it is, whatever the pretend board of directors is. As they start talking about people that are important that are not at the table, they're really important. They're doing that for a reason. It's a distraction. So this guy in the Chase Bank, he was the ringleader, the organizer. He'd gotten everybody into that. We started out, we got him on the phone, and he was like, ah, you know, I'm with these guys that are so dangerous. You know, I'm, I'm, these guys that are with me, boy, you know, I'm scared of them myself. They're so dangerous. You know, we didn't really realize that at the time I, I was I was to come to find out over hostage negotiation, then business negotiation. You know, that's a classic move of an important person at the table. They're going to act helpless. Mm -hmm. And he did that a lot. It was very, very controlling. And I ended up using mirroring on him. And mirroring is this great skill. You just repeat the last couple words of what somebody said. It's not, you know, the body language mirror stuff that everybody teaches. It's not that. The hostage negotiator's mirror is just the last couple words of what somebody says. And the crazy thing is, it gets people to blurt stuff out. You know, they want to go on. They want to explain. And I had just asked him about, a, you know, I thought we had our bad guy's van outside. I thought it was his van. As a matter of fact, it was. And I said, hey, you know, there's a, there's a van out here. We haven't been able to find the owner. 
And this guy goes, well, you know, you chased my driver away. And I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say, which is the other great thing about a mirror. You can mirror mm. when, when you're shocked. And mm-hmm. I just said, we chased your driver away? Because, I mean, I, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. My brain had kind of shut down. And he goes, yeah, well, when he saw the police, he cut and run. And I'm like, wow, you know, we didn't even know there was a guy that got away. And and you, a really control freak person who's been very mm-hmm. guarded about everything he says, just blurted out some really important information. That, you know, that spontaneous utterance, if you will, was what caused the, the driver to get to cop a plea because we had no evidence on him otherwise. We ultimately figured out who he was. They went to the house. They grabbed him. They were getting ready to go to trial, and I ran across the prosecutors, and they said, yeah, you know, we got nothing on this guy, nothing to talk time to the bank robbery. Mm. I said, yeah, you know, we got, we got one of the guys admitting that he was there. You know, it's on the tape because I, I, I knew the tape backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And they had missed it in the transcript. And I said, give me the transcript. I'll show it to you. They took the transcript and they just handed it to the getaway driver's defense attorney. And when he saw it, he copped the plea. You know, he pled. Mm. <laughs> so it's a great thing about a mirror. It's amazing how just by mirroring, you're able to pull out information without even asking a question, without making that person feel like they were giving you anything. That's the key to, you know, great negotiations is pulling information without asking questions. You know, everybody's taught we're supposed to gather information. Actually, we're taught you got to ask good questions. Now, the point of a good question is to gather information. There's a better way than asking questions like mirrors because mirrors don't cause people to get their guard up. And whenever you ask a question, to some degree or another, the other side's guard comes up and they're careful about how they answer. So fast forward at the end of this uh, negotiation, which I really, I got to push you guys to this masterclass. It's absolutely incredible. But at the end of this negotiation, all the hostages were released free. The, uh, all the, all the hostages came out safely. All the bad guys, there were only two bad guys inside the bank. They surrendered our, uh, our, our decision maker. You know, he was obstinate to the end initially. Um, we got his partner. Uh, I talked his partner out of the bank and we get him back on the phone. Now we're, we're working on him to try to get him to surrender too. And he was, you know, he needed to buy time. He had three hostages and he knew if he let a hostage go, it would buy him time and keep the threat level down. Now we're, we're not going to go crashing in the bank after he's just released a hostage. It's actually a really mm-hmm. smart move for a control freak to do. So he knew that he had three. If he let one go, it was going to buy him some more time, see if he could figure a way out. So he let, he let two out of the three go. And then at the very end, when we were pressuring him to, uh, to let the third hostage go, he was just so obstinate. The only move he had left instead of letting a hostage go and not cooperate was to come out himself. So that's when he agreed to come out. It was crazy. So I can see some parallels in the business world, and I hope all the listeners here are are grabbing onto those themselves and making some of these connections. But one of them is really clear that when I'm sitting down with a homeowner or I'm sitting down with a realtor or an investor or somebody in between, and they're telling me that they don't have the power to make the decision, that there's all these other important people that are up the chain, that that could be an indication that they're actually the decision maker and they're just trying to pass the buck so they have a little bit more power. Is there any other uh, correlations that you think we want to point out for the listeners? 
Yeah, well, the flip side, a person at the table, the more important they make themselves, then the, conversely, the re- less powerful they are. Mm. It's the exact same dynamic in, in reverse. You know, you, you, got a, you got somebody at the table who's really in love with singular personal pronouns. You know, the I, me, my, I want this, mm. my view. Boy, the more they use those singular pronouns, the less influ- influence they have. So that's kind of a two-way street. If they're in love with plural pronouns, we, they, them, us, they're important. If they're in love with singular, I, me, my, you know, that <laughs> they're not that important. They're a good source of information. They're just not that important. They're almost trying to bring it back onto themselves to boost up their importance, boost up their worth versus the people who already have it don't need to. And they're actually trying to pull away because they know that that could hurt them in the negotiation. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The guy's got no influence on the other side. You know, it makes him feel important to pretend like he's got all that influence. Like being at a bar and a bartender's first night and you ask him if they got, you know, some kind of bourbon. And he says, well, I don't stock bourbon in my bar. And it's his first night and he doesn't yeah. own a bar and he might not be yeah. there in, in a month, you know. <laughs> <laughs> got to make himself look important. Oh, I love that. Well, I can see so many practical applications and I hope everyone runs out and gets Never Split the Difference. And I want to let people know that that Chris has offered a Never Split the Difference study guide that you guys will be able to sign up for. We'll have a link in the show notes and we'll let you know at the very end how to get that um, when you get on the newsletter list, of course, uh, and get some of these strategies on a regular basis. But Chris, tell me, if I'm a new negotiator or maybe I've been studying the getting to yes or I've been going down this path of learning negotiation, I think, man, I want to apply some of this stuff, um, but I'm stuck in some old ways. What would be your recommendation of some of the strategies to start with, to start practicing and adding to your tool belt? And I know some of them include labeling, tactical empathy, you know, mirroring, and there's so many others, but which ones to you seem like these are the ones you need to add to your tool belt first, second, and third? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, be willing to slow down just a little bit. And, you know, paraphrasing is real simple. Somebody, somebody's talking mm-hmm. to you, just, you know, before you ever want to make your point, try to paraphrase back to them a little bit. You know, make them feel heard. Make them feel understood. You know, paraphrase is not agreement. It's not disagreement. It's just like, all right, so you got good reasons for this. And those reasons are, and repeat back what they've been saying. And then be willing to go silent a little bit, you know, be willing to live with something. We used to call it effective pauses. Now, actually, we refer to it as dynamic silence because it's so powerful. So mm. make people feel heard. You know, let them fill in the silence. You know, keep quiet. And you're going to be surprised how many deals will make themselves. You don't have to do anything. Just see if you can get the deal to make itself. So for all the listeners out there, that just means shut up for a second. <laughs> let a little <laughs> bit of space happen and uh, let people know that, that you're hearing them out. Yeah, exactly. So after, after you've gotten good at allowing some space to be there, you've gotten comfortable with the silence, you don't have to fill it in. Uh, I know that I even get caught up in a podcast interview getting ready to make sure to fill that silence. But let's say I've, I've mastered that skill. What do I want to add on next? And how do you recommend doing that? Well, you know, uh, the next great thing, if somebody's really been hurt out and, and the deal hasn't come to you, you know, great way to get things going again and probably a very positive way. And, you know, we live in an 
We live in a Las Vegas world. We don't live in an ivory tower world. You know, the ivory tower world needs stuff that's perfect. You know, the Las Vegas world just needs stuff that works more than half the time. You know, there are a lot mm. of casinos built in Vegas on a 51% success rate. You know, you just, you just have to get over more than half. Wow, that's great. And, and, and far higher than more than half, you know, really more about a three-quarter per success rate is after you've heard somebody out say, what do you want to do next? How, how, how can we move forward effectively? They're going to throw something out that you're going to love enough of the time that if it was a gambling system that you'd own Vegas, you know, Steve Wynn would be your assistant. <laughs> so understand nothing is perfect. What you need is the best chance of success. Mm-hmm. And somewhere north of 70, 75%, which is enough to be quite wealthy, just say, you know, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? It's very deferential. The other side, what you've done is you put, you're shoving someone forward with that. Mm-hmm. You're cutting them off from backtracking. You're cutting them off from sidetracking. Actually, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? You've just boxed them in and forced them to move forward. Now, they don't feel that, especially if you say it deferentially. They think it's their idea to figure out some next steps. The deal isn't going to happen unless you figure out next steps anyway. Mm-hmm. So see if they can figure out some good ones for you. It's a really effective way to move forward and save time because the whole issue here is a well-managed negotiation process actually saves a lot of time. Getting them just to come up with the steps on their own? Yeah. Yeah, it's because, you know, most people talk about stuff without even thinking about what the next steps are. As soon as next steps are one of the principal things in your mind, you're going to start accelerating your success. And you get next steps collaboratively, and, and, and the best way to get them from the other side in a way that they'll remember what they are is if they think they thought of them. You know, mm. if you say, what are the next steps, how do you want to proceed? That doesn't mean you have to agree to whatever they throw out mm. and be prepared to say, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. But it, d- it does give them the opportunity to throw something out that you'll, li- you'll like. One of, the, one of the ways of negotiation is described. It's the art of letting the other side have your way. Mm. And that's the way you do it. You know, what are the next steps? How do you want to proceed? That is some really powerful stuff. And I hope all you guys are taking notes over here. And if you're not, I encourage you to re-listen to this with a pen and paper in hand because this is stuff you can directly apply. It's going to make a difference in your business. I know I've bought you know, hundreds of houses because of some of these strategies and how effectively they work. Um, nice. So one thing I'm really curious about, Chris, rapport seems to be such a big conversation in sales and negotiation. How do we go about building better rapport with people that maybe we don't even have that much in common with? Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's what people, that's the big issue. Um, common ground. Is it is it necessary? Is it useful? Um, people love common ground because they both feel fantastic. Oh, you know, we're in a negotiation training that we ran a, a couple of months ago and two people discovered they both had the same name for their dog. 
And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. They talked about it. They, but they didn't get anything done. Mm. You know, so your dogs could have the same name. Your, your kids could be in Little League together. You could be from the same state. That isn't going to make your deal. And just because you're from the same state from somebody, does that mean you're going to give in on a point that you shouldn't give in on? Mm-hmm. I mean, common ground is, is really kind of a tricky area that feels great, but isn't actually useful. So instead, you know, what people want is to be understood. That, that's the whole idea. Common ground is like, hopefully, if we got common ground, you're going to understand me. What would happen if I could understand you without being from your hometown, without being mm-hmm. from your state, without our kids playing ball together, without us having the same name for our dogs? You know, that, that was where hostage negotiators came from initially. It's had massive amounts of influence with no common ground whatsoever. Yeah. So if you, if you get rid of common ground as an idea and just grasp how powerful it is to understand the other side, they feel common ground. Well, it's because like a lot of the times I'm, we're not going to have common ground with people. We're just not. We're in different worlds. Maybe we're doing different things. We've got different goals and aspirations. Maybe one person over here is big in a personal development. They're studying Chris Voss. They're learning to be a great negotiator. The other person is just trying to get food on the table or try to get to their next, the next thing they've got going. And so sometimes that can be difficult to find. Um, but how do, we, how do we go about trying to get people to feel understood and how can we actually you know, you know, build that rapport without needing that common ground to, to stand on. Yeah, because the feeling of understood then definitely not just leads to rapport, but it re- leads to trust and, and trust-based influence. That's, mm. that's the most durable kind of influence they want. And as you want somebody to feel understood, start repeating back to them what they've said. Mm-hmm. Look, let me, let me just make sure I got this right. Here, here are your reasons for this. You know, it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like mm-hmm. this is where you're coming from. And especially include, if you sense in any way, shape, or form, or even would guess that there's some sort of negativity involved, then you simply don't deny that negativity. You know, express it. Express uh, an understanding and appreciation that it's there. It's like the proverbial elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, is misconceptions, it's prejudices, it's preconceived notions, it's distrust. Well, nobody ever made the elephant in the room go away by either ignoring it or by denying it was there. Mm-hmm. People deal with the elephant in the room by pointing it out. Mm. And, and, and then, then you, know, you say, yeah, there's an elephant in the room, but I don't care, it doesn't matter. Anything you, if you want to say the word but... That's the perfect time to shut the front door. That's the perfect time <laughs> to stop talking. Mm. The words but or and should trigger an alarm bell in your brain that should automatically close the front gate, close your jaws, get you to stop talking. That's the perfect time to use dynamic silence. When you feel the word but or and coming out of your mouth, then that should be an actually an early warning system that it's time to stop right where you are and let what you just said sink in. So pretty much <laughs> never say the word but because it's going to really, it's going to be an anchor. It's going to hold you back instead of moving you guys forward together. Um, but it's a bad word. Uh, you know, my son, Brandon, who I believe has been a guest on your show. He sure has. You know, one of his favorite uh, phrases is nobody wants 
you to put your butt in their face. <laughs> it doesn't develop rapport. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's amazing. Um, so these are some these are some amazing strategies, and I feel like I hope that the listeners, I hope that you guys are really seeing how this stuff can really make a difference in more than just your business life. Because yes, it's going to help us get more deals, or it's going to help us build that relationship with these different clients or these different people. But it's going to help us in our personal life because think about if you took away the word "but" from the your relationship with your husband or wife, it's going to end up creating an environment where they really feel heard and listened to, understood. I mean, that's what every husband or wife I would assume wants. I know that's what every wife that I've ever talked to wants. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to tell you something, you can't have a great relationship without understanding the other side. Just can't happen. And the important people in your life deserve that. You know, they deserve to be understood. And so consequently, you got opportunities to develop these skills every day. You know, in the morning, at lunch, at night. And these are the perfect times to get good at hearing people out because the more you do it, you know, the more you, you build your abilities to do it well. Okay, so obviously practical application. We can walk into Starbucks. We can use it there. We can use it when we're going to the restaurant, some of these places. When you're in your trainings and your seminars and you're teaching your clients and your students, you're doing your coaching, and they're learning all these strategies and they leave and they're fired up and ready to go, what kind of program should somebody put in place to really make sure that they become an expert at labeling or mirroring or changing their tone of voice or any of these things? Yeah, well, you know, um, we've got a bunch of different types of training that we put out. I mean, we got, we got a lot of ways to help you. A lot of it is free. You know, we got a newsletter that we put out. We got the book. Masterclass is very affordable. You know, and when, you're, when you're ready, I mean, to really get sharp, then come to one of our trainings. But the choice that we all have, and I just used the word but, the choice that we all have is negotiation is a performance skill, and tomorrow you're either even, you're worse, or you're better. Mm. Now, it actually takes some effort just to stay even. It's like putting a rocket ship into outer space, into orbit. It takes a lot more fuel to get it out there than it does to keep it in orbit. But if you don't, if you don't keep firing those rockets while it's in orbit, it's going to fall back to Earth. So you got to figure out a way to continue to sharpen the skills. Plus, there's a neuroscience application, really. Once you've built those skills, every time you fire those neural synaptic connections, mm -hmm. a substance called myelin is wrapped around that electrical connection in your brain. And for the people out there that understand electronics and electricity, every time you insulate a circuit a little bit more, it fires more effectively. So you're constantly building those circuits with the repetitions. That's, that's just such good advice. I hope you guys really take it and start applying it. Just a couple of questions left here, Chris. Tell me about how you define success and what is success to you? Yeah, well, su success, first of all, just taking a shot. You know, um, I, it, it was probably Gretzky that said, uh, the hockey player, he's been gone for so long, I'm sure, or out of the game, a lot of people have forgotten who he was, but one of the greatest hockey players of all time said, I missed 100% of the shots that I haven't taken. Hmm. You know, so, you know, you, you, you got to take a shot. Go ahead and take a shot. See what happens. Even if you fail, you just got smarter. You know, there's certain types of negotiations that I realize that I've gotten rusty at. And, you know, some of them are with hotel clerks. 
and I'm in hotels all the time, you know, three hotels back. I wasn't particularly good with the hotel clerk. And the one I checked into in Los Angeles just two days ago, I went smooth mm. because I realized I'd gotten rusty. And so I'm making it a point to talk to these people a little bit more. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that all, a lot of hotels are doing these days, everybody wants to check in early. They thought, well, we can charge them mm-hmm. to check in early. They call it the early check-in fee. Mm. So I wanted to check in about five hours early. I didn't want to pay a fee. Mm-hmm. So I, I brought my skills back up to speed and, you know, I did it in a very playful manner. You know, playful is an emotional intelligence hack. It makes both of you smarter in the moment. Mm. It makes them more likely to cooperate if you're playful. So, you know, I need to practice at these, th- at these things. So get out there and get some practice. Because one way or the other, your choice for how you're going to be tomorrow is coming at you as sure as tomorrow is coming at you. And you're only going to be even, you're going to be worse, you're going to be better. No effort only leaves you worse. Just to stay even, you got to get some practice in. I love that. Go out and practice. And so on that note, what are some of the keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis to help you stay on top of your game in negotiation or maybe some habits that you're doing just in your normal life? Yeah, well, if you make it a point to smile when you say hello to somebody, uh, you know, you're triggering chemical reactions in your brain. The mere act of smiling connects to your mirror neurons and it releases really small hits of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. All of these things give you more mental agility. I mean, just you can force a smile on your face and give yourself a small hit of dopamine. So every time you smile, you make yourself a little bit sharper. The other person feels it. They don't just hear it. They feel it and they react to it. Mm -hmm. They get a little bit of hit too, you know? And so you're off to the races just by smiling appropriately when you start out. And it it takes practice because we're actually wired to be negative. So you've got to practice. You know, I saw an analogy the other day that said just because I bathed today, doesn't mean I don't got to bathe again tomorrow. You know, we're negative. Our skills are going to deteriorate. You got to stay or do your repetitions in a positive frame of mind. Same way you got you to wash your hands every day. You got to take a shower every day. Whatever you do to stay clean. Just because you did it yesterday doesn't mean you don't have to do it again today. I love that. That's I love that. That's powerful. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick. But the answers oh, no. don't Here need to be. <laughs> What's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. It has had a massive impact and opened my thinking in so many different ways in terms of human performance. I've read several other books as a, as a result of reading that that were by Kotler. It also got me interested in a lot of other stuff very much related. The Rise of Superman is a great book. We'll have to add that to the reading list. So from an inspiration standpoint, talk to me about mentors and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors in your life? All right. Yeah. Never take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade places with. The way you get great mentors is finding someone whose success you want to emulate and then asking them some questions. Now, don't ever ask to pick their brain. You know, can I pick your brain 
is the phrase that they are going to react negatively to the same way a battered child is going to react to getting hit or getting hugged. They're going to, they're mm-hmm. going to pull back. The can I pick your brain is the guy who wants free consulting. Mm. Establish a relationship with somebody. If you don't know them, find a way to demonstrate some value. If they got a book, give them a five-star review. If, you know, give them something to start off with that would be really easy for you to give, but it shows that, you know, you're, you're not just a taker. You're willing to give a little first. And then, you know, ask, how, how did you become successful? You know, what are you doing? What, what's an insight that you have? Demonstrate any value to them whatsoever, and there's a really good chance that they're going to start giving you value in, in return that because it's from them, is ha, could have a massive impact on your life and is enormously valuable to you. So think about whose success you'd like to emulate and learn from them. And then they'll become your unofficial mentors. That's powerful. Well, I encourage you guys, if you have read Never Split the Difference, head over to Amazon, drop a five-star review for Chris and uh, you know, pass along a little bit of love like he's talking about here. So Thank you. finally, Chris, from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? Yeah, helping people. I mean, um, and, you know, I, I loved as a hostage negotiator, an FBI hostage negotiator, we help people get their lives back. I mean, literally get their lives back. As a business negotiator, we're helping people get new lives on a, on a weekly basis. Somebody will say to us, this deal is going to change my life. That is cool. They're making a better life for themselves and for their family. The other thing that's cool about that statement is it's not at somebody else's expense. Mm -hmm. You know, they're always making a great deal with somebody. Somebody else is really benefiting well. So that's a great statement to hear from somebody because they're not exploiting other people, but they're making life-changing deals. Oh, that's powerful. Well, you're definitely making a change and a difference in people's lives. I know you've made a change and a difference in mine. So I thank you for that. I thank you for being here. And I want to know, where can we find out more about you or uh, get in touch? Short, sweet way. The newsletter is the gateway to everything that we do. Uh, it's a gateway to the website. There are training announcements in it. It's, it's practical, usable, actionable. It's one article once a week, Tuesday mornings, when you're ready to rock and roll on your week. You got you know the, the Monday catch-up days behind you. You're ready to get into it on Tuesday morning. And it's a simple, actionable article. Simplest way to subscribe to the newsletter, we have a text to sign up function. Text, the number you text to is 22828. And again, the number you're texting to is 22828. The message you send, FBI empathy, all one word. Don't let your autocorrect put a space between FBI and empathy. Lowercase, FBI empathy, all one word. Shoot that out to 22828. You get a response back asking for your email. The newsletter is free. And it is a gateway to everything. Phenomenal, phenomenal. We will include that in the show notes. We'll include a link to the masterclass and all the things we've been talking about. Chris, this has been phenomenal. Thank you for what you're doing. You're, you're doing good work. And I appreciate you being here. I love the conversation, man. Thanks for having me on. What an incredible episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And I want to tell you about this incredible program that we're now releasing. We're putting it out live and I want you to be a part of it. 
If you happen to be a high-level real estate investor who's really pushing things to the next level, who want to get the most out of their business, they want to take consistent action on a regular basis and work from a place of clarity so you actually can end up at the outcome that you originally got into this game for. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know when I got into real estate investing, I had planned on doing this so that I could get passive cash flow. And I got distracted along the way. And I got distracted with things that were incredible and amazing, and I grew like crazy. But sometimes we got to get back to that core. What? are we doing this for and why are we doing this? And there's so many, there's so many things that we're learning in every single episode that we need to start applying in our daily basis every single day. So what I've put together and I've brought together an incredible mindset coach who has been doing this for years and years, has 25,000 hours, previously worked with the Tony Robbins organization and many others, and is going to be delivering and training us. He's agreed to do this in a small group setting. Um, so I know a ton of people are going to be interested, and there's very limited spots available. This is not false scarcity. We're only going to take 15 people for the first group. So please make sure you head over to the website, theinvestormindset.com slash action, so you can find out a little bit more and add your name to the wait list so that when we're ready to pull you in, we can start having that conversation and decide if you're a great fit. I know the power of this stuff. I've invested tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in order to grow myself and my business to the next level. And that's exactly why I'm so grateful that we're going to be bringing this out live and really making a big difference. So join us in this mini mastermind online, this program, and let's help do some incredible things together. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 